Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Tristan Rossi, artist, illustrator, board game designer, and the founder of Bright Light Games. He has two titles signed with Skybound and has worked on over a dozen successfully funded Kickstarter projects and published games. Tristan's first self-published title, The Mariana Trench, is currently on Kickstarter and was funded in just 25 hours. Tristan, welcome to The Binge. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It is great to have you on this podcast. I really do appreciate your time all the way from the UK. So it's uh, quite late where you are right now. So uh, hopefully we're not keeping you uh, out of bed. I suspect with a uh, campaign on the go, I'm sure you are glued to the computer for the next uh, couple of weeks, I guess. Eh? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, 10 o'clock at night is normally my glass of wine time as I'm winding down from the day and assessing what's been going on. So um, no, but it is fine. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm up all hours at the moment. So because uh, obviously I'm dealing with uh, America and around the world. It's the, the Kickstarter goes on. So um, yeah, yeah, not much sleep. <laughs> so right before we got on here, check the numbers. Uh, so I'm going to read these. I like to put these in Canadian dollars because they always sound so much bigger. Uh, but you can tell me what they are in uh, in pounds in a second. So uh, you've reached uh, so far $26,397 of a $17,221 goal with 737 backers and still 22 days to go. And you were chosen as a project we love uh, by Kickstarter, which is huge. Yeah, yeah, and and quite a shock too. Yeah, it was um, yeah, completely made up with that day one, and uh, and and there it was, you know, project we loved. So, um, don't ask me how you get one. I've I've no idea. No but, one does. Um, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No one but does. I'm, I'm really glad it's there. <laughs> That's always but the yeah, case. It, yeah. Absolutely, uh, and over the moon with um, the the funding time and how quickly it's gained momentum. Um, couldn't have wished for a better start, really. And, and you're right, Canadian dollars does sound far much better. <laughs> what was your What was your goal in uh, British pounds? What was it? So ten thousand pounds. Ten thousand pounds. Yeah. And when you chose that as your goal, did you guys think, ah, oh, maybe if we get there, or did you have a good idea that you're probably going to hit the ten thousand? Or how'd you come up with that goal? Well, based on pure economics of what was required to get it manufactured and and across the threshold without making a financial loss so that that was the that was the core behind it and so we thought our first project if we break even then it's out there and we, we've made a start we've made a, a, a small impact um so anything over and above that there's a a small amount of profit in there that will lead us into our next project and and hopefully more games so so yeah we the, the idea was not to get into debt doing the Kickstarter. So, so that was our line in the sand. So what was your background going into this? Have you always been an artist and illustrator? What, when did you start and kind of how did you get into the whole little illustration gig? So, um, yeah, I've been um, a, a, an artist, illustrator, um, and um, uh, into marketing for the past 20 years, um, but not in board games. Um, the vast majority of that time was in um, the educational space, hmm. which um, ironically translates really nicely into board games because it's all about visual interpretation of, of you know, uh, lesson plans. And, and it's just basically getting information across in a very visual and appealing manner. So, so that works. Um, 
so yeah um 20 years background doing that um but then about three years ago i was made redundant mm. and I, I spent about a year just out in the wilderness doing freelancing so one day i'd be doing flyers and logos and some corporate work and the next day uh, I'd, I'd be doing posters for bands and stuff like that and um my daughter came home with a, a board game that she'd been designing with um my my grandparents well her grandparents and um at the same time, I'd been illustrating a children's book on the side, thinking maybe one day I'll do a children's book. And the art was great, but I'm not a writer, so the, the story was pretty terrible. Um, but this board game, um, she showed it me, and I thought, well, maybe this artwork I've been doing, I could translate that into a board game, and that's that's exactly what I did. And never looked back. It's been board games ever since. So how many games have you been part of in, in total? Like, so including the Kickstarters as well as published versus just even personal passion projects. How many in total have you worked on? Oh, it's been a busy three years. <laughs> so um, I've probably, um, I don't know the exact number. I've probably close to 20, wow. 20 games. Um, and out of those, I'd say um, three quarters of those have already hit Kickstarter. Um, several in the shops. Um, I've been very lucky. Um, at the very start, I was picked up by 25th Century Games. Um, uh, so um, Chad Elkins, um, the guy who runs that, um, saw the work I was doing and thought, you know, I can get him on board. And since then, um, yeah, I had uh, Floodgate Games come in. Um, I did Cosmic Colonies for them and uh, Three Laws of Robotics and stuff. So. Yeah, there's a, there's a few in the shops, a few on Kickstarter, and a, a few waiting to come along uh, every every month or so. I get a, a prompt that it's hitting Kickstarter. So so yeah, it's exciting times. And how have you connected into these different games? Like, how do you meet these different developers and designers? Like, for instance, uh, Relics. Uh, I can never say the name Rella Pahara. We had Joe Slack. <laughs> I know Joe. I'm like Joe. I can't pronounce your game. Uh, Joe Slack was on the podcast with his uh, his solo game, which is super cool. Uh, anybody yep. should check it out. Uh, the artwork is fantastic. I didn't know you did the artwork on it until I was looking at your uh, your website. Like, oh my god, there he's got Joe's game on there. So how how do you connect to these different designers and developers? Well, it's um, it's all by happenstance. It, I don't go out courting these people, and this is the the strange thing with it. Um, but I'm heavily involved in the community at the same time. So um, one of the things I do, and I think hopefully brings a lot to people that, that work with me is that I try and get the community involved in the artwork that I'm producing. And that works on two levels because um, the communities that we're involved with, they've got a wealth of knowledge and experience. Um, even if that's not at a professional level, they love board games and they know what looks good. So um, I work very much on my own. I'm not part of a team. I, I'm just um, I'm just a bloke. In it with a desk in his in his kitchen area, <laughs> and yeah. that's where I work. So um, I need that feedback and 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 that help. Um, you know, especially the help uh, to begin with several years back when I, I didn't have the board game experience. Um, so yeah, I, I I caught those groups with uh, for information uh, and and help, and that comes to other publishers and people that are creating games seeing what I'm doing seeing that level of interaction because that also translates into marketing as well i suppose people get to know about the game at a very early stage and feel invested in it because they've actually helped with it as well so um yeah it works on on two levels and that's why 
these people have got in touch with me. Yeah. And then, so, and then your, your current designer you're working with, uh, I believe his name is Thomas Layton. So how did you connect with Thomas Layton on the Mariana Trench? So um, in January, um, New Year's, New Year's day, I was having that thought of, um, I've taken the published routes. Um, I, I do a lot of work for other people where, um, which I hugely enjoy, but I'm designing other people's games and dreams. And I thought, well, I've tried all that. So maybe this is the year to develop a game I want to do and see what it's like to be a publisher and see how, um, see how that evolves. It just seemed like the ne next progressive step. So um, I, again, used the forums and put a post out there where I basically said, um, I'm thinking of developing uh, a board game. Um, you know, I'm, I'm good at doing the art and the graphic design. So I'm looking for a, a game designer that would do a small pocket game with me. And um, Thomas was one of probably about 30 people that sent me um, their board game design. And um, the whole idea just sang to me, the, the idea of the Mariana Trench and all the sea creatures and everything was just, um, well, it's magic to an illustrator and a designer, the whole yeah. the whole thing, it, it just sang to me. So, so yeah, um, yeah, it was, signed on the dotted line the, 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 the day I saw it. That's over the moon with it. So tell us about this game. So I've got, for people who are watching this live and are going to watch the YouTube video back, um, the, the, the artwork is obviously beautifully done. Um, you. you know, you're right. The thematically, uh, you feel immersed, I think, in this game when you're, when you're and, and you're right, it's a pocket game with cards, but the cards become the board. And yeah. uh, you really have this neat kind of theme where you're, you're, you're diving to the depths of the, lowest point of the ocean to discover, uh, do some research, discover new creatures and discover new things. So walk us through, how does this game work? How do you play this game? Okay, so um, it's for one to two players. Um, and like you said, the objective is to uh, use your subs to go up and down this, this column of water as you descend into the Mariana Trench. And the objective is to try and get as many research points as, as you possibly can. Um, so. As you go down, um, once you reach your your travel limit per go, so you can do 1,000 or 2,000 fathoms and uh, to begin with, and um, a fathom is uh, a card. So you take 2,000 fathoms, for example, and then you flip the card, and that's what you're researching on that turn. So with that, you have a choice. You can choose to take the, the sea creature if, if you've got a big enough hole to take it, or alternatively, there are additional resources that you can use on your sub. So, um, for example, you can increase the hold size, or you can increase um, your speed of the sub, or you can um, have a radar. So um, the radar allows you to look at the next time to look at the card either above or below where you are. So there's lots of little extras that you can add that, that add to your abilities as you go. Um, but not only that, it's um, it's got a hidden depth to it. <laughs> Excuse the pun. Um, <laughs> but um, the actual set collection, once you start to learn about the sets and what you're trying to find and what you're trying to collect, there's actually quite a bit of depth. And there can actually be a bit of subterfuge between the two players where you're thinking, well, I can steal that card and stop him from collecting the set or, or, or stuff like that. So there's, there's a lot of hidden depth to it as well. And that's what struck me. It, it's... Um, it's a small game, um, limited card size, but there's 
potentially a lot going on and it goes on quickly. Um, you can learn it in five minutes, but it can take quite a while to get down to the nuances of it, which is what I really like in a game personally. So this is what I would ca- uh, call uh, a gateway game or uh, a warm-up game. A lot of the reviewers that have done this who have all absolutely loved the game uh, kind of describe it that way. They say this is a good, quick, you know, uh, you know, casual game or, or a gateway game. People who know me you know these are the kind of games I absolutely love. Any kind of game that I can you know, crank through three or four different types of games in a particular game night is, is kind of my zone. Or if we're playing something heavier, I usually like to warm up with a, a gateway game. Or quite frankly, at the end of the night, when people start kind of leaving and you have a couple stragglers hanging around that say, ah, oh, we got an extra you know, 40 minutes. Uh, let's, let's play. A, what do we got that we can play in 40 minutes? These are the kind of games I think fit very well. Um, and it's interesting that it's a, it's a two player, two player game. So one to two players, which you don't see too many of those nowadays. Uh, usually you're seeing games are going like one to six players or so forth. What led to the decision to go with just two players on this particular game? Um, well, that's, it's really all, all, all Thomas on that. I think the initial design was that. And, um, you're right. Obviously, the more you can expand it to, the wider the audience you have. But it just seemed to sit so nicely with what it was. And um, when I was growing up, um, a big thing was, um, I don't know if you have it in the States, but a game called Top Trumps, where you have cards and they have a series of stats on it. And you read out one of the stats. And if you've got the highest stat, you collect their card. Sure. And it was just really, really cool. Um, and a nice little mechanic that two people would play together. And I love the idea that this is something that you can put in your back pocket and go out for the day with, with a friend and go, hey, let's just, just have a game. <laughs> let's, have a, let's have a coffee and a quick game. Or, or it's something that you can take on holiday with you um, or put in your backpack or something like that. Um, so, yeah, it didn't really concern me the fact that it was one or two player because it fits so well with the speed and size of it, it was something that was a little bit more personal as a game rather than something to share with the world. And now you have some stretch targets in there, which I think are to get unlock some other creatures or some special kind of mythical creatures. Does everybody get that? So if you support the base level, do you get access to that, those extra cards? Yeah. Yeah. That, that unlocked earlier today, actually the creatures from the deep. Um, that was our first stretch goal that, that unlocked um, a few hours ago. Yeah. So we're, we're on to the next one, uh, which is 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Okay. So what we're doing, we're, we're switching out the submarines um, and the, the ship that come with the game, and we're t- turning those into um, full-blown 1800s Captain Nemo-type um, steam submarines and, and what have you. Um, and you can um, play those instead, and they have slightly different loadouts. Uh, with the game so uh, it just switches up the mechanics slightly and it's just a different way to play but it's it's lovely thematically because it, it it's quite strange because those three cards just by changing them from the modern submarines to these um 20, leagues under the sea feel uh, yeah. cards completely changes the game it just um all of a sudden it feels very different same artwork but very different in in feel it's a good thing so now shifting from being the illustrator on games to now the publisher, um, yeah. what, what kind of learning curve was that for you getting into production? Like, are these being produced in China or how are you doing the production? And what were some of the things that you had to kind of pull together on that end? 
Okay, um, I don't think it's a curve. I think it's just like a, a vertical line that just goes like this. <laughs> it's um, yeah, it's been pretty crazy because um, I'm not naturally a, a, a business person. I'm more you know marketing and the, the creative side and, and what have you. So um, yeah, it's been a learning curve, and I'm I'm, I'm very grateful that um, I've got um, my wife um, who. Um, is we complement each other she's the flip side of the coin where she, she's um works in accounts and is very good with numbers and, and stuff like this so um she's been helping me a lot with that um so um yeah it's it's been a, a learning curve with that um at the moment it looks like we're trying to um source the game locally in the uk okay. um and if the if the the numbers marry up we'll do that um but we've also had conversations with um distributors and other publishers that want to get on board and, and get extra copies of the trench delivered at the same time. So um, it may be that we have to split that with China and get some taken over across to the States and we fulfill the European side from the UK and stuff like that. We don't know, it's, it's kind of a, some of it's a little bit up in the air at the moment, um, yeah. but um, you know, um, everything's in place. We just need to work out exactly what options are gonna be used. It's certainly when you start getting this kind of traction uh, this early in your campaign, um, it forces you to kind of rethink some strategies, right? So you may have thought, oh, this is this is going to be a small campaign and, you know, this is going to be manageable and we'll be able to all self-contained. And then when, you know, you're seven days in and you're, you know, this far ahead of your goal and the curve seems to be very steep in terms of the growth on the, the pledges coming in, uh, and then the viral aspect and just the fact that it's a really cool looking game. I imagine you have to kind of pivot a bit and say, okay, whoa, you know, we're looking at doing it, you know, as you said, we're looking at doing it locally, but now we may have to do this a little bit different way or we might have to kind of combine a couple of different things. Have you reached out to some of your other colleagues? Like you got uh, obviously Skybound uh, games that you have a relationship with and <laughs> Joe Slack and some of these other guys and said, hey guys, you know, I could use some advice. Like one thing I see is the community seems to be pretty, pretty open across the board. Yeah, so I, I've started doing that today because um, anybody that does Kickstarters know that you've got this this massive high the first 48 hours where it just seems to be skyrocketing and then it, levels out a little bit and you're going oh it's okay it's okay and then about four or five days in you, you're going what's happening here it's it's like i'm making one twentieth of what i was making on day one you know it's slowing down a bit yeah. so um i'm having um conversations with a few people i know about um how to develop that and keep a, a degree of momentum going and what have you um and also i'm I'm working around the clock on on new creatives for it and um, working on those stretch goal illustrations now so that I can I can share that. And so it's not just saying, here's what you've received so far. It's a case of, and here's a peak of what you can have. We get that extra few thousand in. Here's the new cards and stuff, which weren't all there. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm busy developing the game at the same time as uh, trying to get it up and running and marketing it, yeah. What were some of the learnings you had? So I like you've obviously been part of a lot of Kickstarters, you know, from the illustration side, but I'm sure you don't just hand them the artwork and kind of look the other way. I'm sure you paid close attention <laughs> to some of these campaigns, right? Is there any learnings you're able to kind of carry over to say, wow, you know, I, I gotta make sure when I do my own my own game and when I publish it myself, I gotta make sure I do this and I gotta make sure I do that. What are some of the things you uh, some of the learnings you carried over from some of these other campaigns? Um I think it's um 
a lot of it is is all about the social. It's all about being um, honest with the community. And um, I've noticed that the games that I've worked on where um, it's been shared, and there's a there's a real difference between sharing artwork, going, "Yo, this is the artwork. Look at this. It's great." And going, "We've done this. We've made these changes, and you know, we're thinking about doing this. What's your opinion?" Now that's second way of doing it is mm-hmm. is is gold because what you're doing there is you're not just um asking people the questions you're actually getting them engaged in the game and you'd be surprised at how many people would actually get involved and, and purchase the game because they turn around and say see that see that red square in the corner well i told them to make that red and not blue <laughs> you know you know and and the thing is is that it's not it's not with any um Falseness in it. These are genuine questions that need answering anyway. Oh, yeah. As I'm, I'm working by myself, so um, yeah, um, it's just a um, happy circumstance that that's doing that um, promotes the game as well. And the projects that I've done that on historically with other clients are the, are the ones that really do start to smash it out of the park. Yeah, it's a very symbiotic relationship, I think, with the audience, right? Where. Yeah they they're feeling like they're being heard and able to contribute you know even in a small way but able to contribute to you know how that game comes together yet on the flip side to me i think some of the gold is is when there's a little nugget of information that you never thought of that that comes discussions and you're just like i had one of these the other day we're working on a game and i was like same thing we're putting our artwork out and getting people involved along the way and somebody came up with this idea and it was so obvious. It was so obvious, but I never thought of it. And, you know, then once it was there, it's like, well, I can't believe I didn't think of it. We are absolutely doing that. So I think anytime uh, an artist can engage the audience and get their input, um, it, it just contributes to making that much better of a game. And quite frankly, as you said, you're, you know, this is COVID time and you're, you're in your office by yourself having that, that input and that feedback I'm sure is very valuable for you as well. Oh, it keeps, it keeps me sane. Um, they my sounding board basically. Um, you know, and I, the, the other good thing with it is that, um, a lot of these people don't pay lip service to you. It's, yeah. uh, I mean, you, you get people that enjoy your work and, and, you know, uh, and what have you, but there's a lot that'll go, you know, this is, this is a bad idea. This is terrible. What are you doing? This will never do well and what have you, but they'll, They'll obviously offer the constructive feedback that goes alongside that. Go, sure. Do it this way. Have you thought about that? And that to me is gold. I mean, the first game that I I started doing, um, Pebble Rock, um, the reason why I, I was speaking to the communities is because I could do the artwork, but board games, I didn't have the faintest idea what I was doing. <laughs> so <laughs> it's uh, by and large uh, the community that got me to a point where I could get something published. Now this is one of the games that Skybound is uh, is publishing, I believe, right? Or that you've signed with Skybound on was Pebble Rock. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah, so um, that's just gone through. Um, that was signed a couple of years ago, and we've just gone through our, our final phase of um, art edits and um, all the rule books and prepping everything for uh, for, for publication. And um, yeah, it's all been signed off and it's gone, and it should be hitting the shops in January. It's straight to retail, and uh, I, I believe it's going into Walmart uh, by uh, mid-January. Wow. So super exciting. 
It's got to be quite a feeling knowing that you'll be able to go into your local superstore and see a game that you illustrated right there on the shelf. That's uh, it's got to be incredible. <laughs> well, I'll have to get a flight over to to America to do that, but uh, but yeah, yeah, I might do that. It'd be worth <laughs> it just to pick up that copy. <laughs> Maybe we'll take some pictures of the shelf and send them to you. Eh? Um, yeah. <laughs> so so we're, what's next on the plate for you? What's your next project after Mariana Trench is done? I'm sure this is gobbling up 99.9% of your time, but is what else you have kind of on the docket? Is there something kind of coming uh, as like the next phase after this? Yeah, so um, there's a, a couple of projects that I'm uh, involved with um, that are from publishers uh, that I, I'm, I'm developing now. Um, there's a really interesting one, a cool one called um, called Snow Day um, that I'm helping to develop. And that's actually a Kickstarter that tried to launch uh, a year ago and didn't quite, it wasn't going to hit the funding goal. So it was it was cancelled. And I had a chat with the guys there because I thought it was a really good concept. And I thought, well, if we rebrand, redo the artwork, this could be something quite special because all the reviews were saying that the gameplay was really spot on. So um, yeah, so that's that's one of the projects. Um, there's a, a couple more smaller projects I'm working on in the background. Um, but then the next big thing is um, another game with with uh, with Tom. Um, he's got his next one signed with me um, called Gardens and Hedges, which is a nice, fun little uh, one-two-play game again. So um, we're going to try that. And um, I've got another um, bigger one that. Um, if the trench funds well and gives me the funding to do it, I'm going to take a few months off and make sure that this this new game comes out. But I'll, uh, I'll give you more details on that as it comes. I'll be looking for it. So it seems to be a, so a lot of the games you've done so far seem to be very card based in nature. Um, yeah. have, do you have any that you're working on that are more kind of like the classical board or, or things like that, or are you sticking kind of to the that angle of more kind of card based uh, type games? Yeah, I, th- I think we're going to stick with the card stuff. And uh, I mean, this actually started out as um, a, a fear of Kickstarter. And I think when you do a Kickstarter, you, you have to look at your ability and what you're prepared to take on. Sure. So so being a first-time person doing this, um, it felt very comfortable to do a small box game with low assets and small amount of cards. And it was all nice and easy. And you can stick it in an envelope and you can send it out. And there's not... 50 different assets that need doing and specially making and constructing. Um, so I like the idea of it being um, simple to make, but load it with the art, make yeah. the artwork stunning and make that that the, the selling point, uh, but keep the actual thing simple. I, I, and that sits very comfortably with me. So I don't think I'm going to be one of these publishers that goes out and does the, the big, you know, come on box with minis and, 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 and what have you. I mean, <laughs> yeah. who knows? It might at some point, but um, right now I'm quite comfortable with hitting the small box market. Well, certainly with the success you've seen with, uh, you know, with this game, um, you've certainly found your, your zone, right? Your zone of what, what works. And, uh, and I'm sure there's going to be things like manufacturing experience is going to come out of this. There's going to be logistical experience coming out of this. So, you know, coming with another game that falls at similar format will make the second round that much less taxing on you, I'm sure, than uh, the first round, right, with that sharp learning curve. So um, I, I can't wait to see where this game lands, the Mariana Trench. Uh, for anybody that wants to check this out on Kickstarter, uh, please uh, do go just literally search the Mariana Trench on Kickstarter. You can find the game. 
course here on board game binge we'll put a link uh, attached to this actual uh, interview as well so people can find it easily or if you go on boardgamebinge.com likewise you'll see uh, the notes on this interview and you'll see uh, a link to the kickstarter page so tris just want to say thank you so much for coming on this podcast i really do appreciate it and all the best of success uh, to you you take care uh, thank you so much for having me it's been great thank you all right cheers ciao this has been an episode of the board game binge podcast hosted by james staley produced by james staley and mike bruner with original music by nick smith if you would like to watch these interviews live simply join the facebook group board game binge and you'll get access to live interviews giveaways and interesting board game content from across the industry i can't wait for you to join us see you next time